Hey, everybody, and welcome to week 10 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host of this podcast, as well as a career empowerment coach. What does that mean? That means I am fiercely dedicated to helping people realize their best career self in 2022. That is really what I'm all about. I'm excited today because this week's episode really builds off of last week's episode when we spoke to Moni Yates about the important task of finding a new job, knocking the interview out of the park. The part that we didn't dig into so much, and it was purposeful because I think it requires an entire episode, that is mission critical to getting that offer is positioning yourself and making your personal brand resonate in your interview. And I can think of no better person to help us dig into that, but my colleague, Steve Woodruff. Steve is known throughout the business world as the king of clarity. He makes communication simple and clear and effective, and that's his lifelong passion. And I got to tell you, as his peer, he is damn good at it. With over 34 years of consulting and coaching experience in the healthcare biopharma industries. He has unparalleled expertise in communications, training, marketing, branding, and facilitation, and has worked with a vast array of clients from individuals in career transition, which many of you may be, to small startups. Maybe some of you out there are looking to to pivot to a career building a business as an entrepreneur, and he is well-versed there. He's a well-respected speaker and the author of the amazing Amazon best-selling book. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. Clarity Win. Steve, welcome to 52 Weeks of Career Empowerment. Andrea, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. As a coach myself, and as somebody who's known you for, gosh, probably close to 20 years, I know a lot about you, but I'd love it if you told our listeners about how clarity became your passion. Well, a little known fact, actually, I rarely have ever told anybody this, but back when I was, I think, a young teen, I remember watching on TV, watching an ad it was for a moving company. And I thought, gee, that's a lousy ad. They And the jingle's lousy. And I made one up. Now, I didn't know anything about marketing at that point. I didn't know anything about business. All I knew was that was bad communication. There's got to be a better way to do it. Then all throughout my career in selling medical devices and then working with a software company and then being on my own, there's just been this underlying passion about good, simple, effective communication. As that has grown, that passion has grown in me, I've realized that this is not just a branding thing. It's not just a marketing thing. It's not just a selling thing. It's human communication. So I have been driving all these years toward this concept. Is there a way a formula for being effective as a communicator, period. Whether it's your career, whether you're a leader, whether you're a marketer, that's what's been kind of driving me, especially in the last few years is, can we figure out one formula, one ring that rules them all, if we want to go to the the Lord of the Rings type of metaphor, and in working with people and working with companies and in starting my own company, I've had to work with all these different modalities of communicating. And I believe there really is a brain-based formula for good, effective communication and clarity of expression is key to that. Your Clarity Wins book really speaks to that in so many ways. You and I first interacted back when I was a sales trainer, a biopharmaceutical company. Even then, we're talking 15, 20 years ago, you really were the first person I heard talking about the importance of clarity and the lack thereof 
in the way that we trained our salespeople to interact with physicians. Right. I can't think of a more crucial time when you're selling something than when you're selling yourself in an interview. Tell me a little bit about how that same mindset pivots to an individual interviewing with an organization. Well, that's one of the most interesting things, Andrea, is we tend to treat selling or marketing as two different things, corporate or personal as two different things, career or what. It's not. It's all branding. You know, some people are uncomfortable with that term. So I talk about an individual value proposition. I talk about clarity statements. I talk about personal branding. But what it comes down to is any company, any individual has to be in touch with their unique skills, the unique value they bring to the table. And we have to have the right words to wrap around that. And what many individuals don't have in their career transition is the key words that really describe the essence, the, what I call the DNA, the wiring. Who is Andrea at the core? What are the things that make Andrea uniquely capable of adding value in a specific kind of role? And I'm convinced that every single individual has a value proposition based on unique abilities. And my job is to help bring it to the surface and then attach the words to it, the statements, the snippets, the keywords, the illustrations, so that we can go confidently into any interview, any situation and say, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's how I do it. Here's why it's valuable. I think that's a very consistent message from last week's episode and into this week's episode. We talked last week with another colleague of mine named Moni Yates, who focuses on empowering women in the workplace to get ahead. And she talked about the importance of brand messaging and understanding and realizing your, your personal branding. As coaches, we often get the typical resume that somebody's going to put in front of someone. They're going to post it to job sites. They're going to send it to people they know. And it's got a lot of stuff in it, a mm. lot of words, but it doesn't have what you're talking about, which is the right type of words. We may throw some adjectives that might be in a job description because we realize that automated tr tracking systems look for those specific words in job postings, but I'm with you. I think it's about differentiating yourself from the rest of the pack that's also going to be putting themselves out there. So what are the steps that people take or should take when they're sitting down to draft this resume to make themselves more marketable? A lot of it is a certain perspective that you got to have. And when you look at a resume or you look at a at LinkedIn profile. And basically when you look at yourself and your career, what we have to have is what I call a meta narrative. We have to have a story and it's the big story of who we are. And that involves having an origin story. How did I begin my career? An evolution story. How did I develop this skill, that skill? How did I end up in this position? What did I learn here? What were the strengths and weaknesses that came here? And why did I end up in this next position and this next role? And then the success and failure stories, especially the success stories, but the failure stories can be illustrative too. I have attempted to do project management at times. I hate project management, Andrea. I teach a course on project management, but I don't like it. I am not good at it and it's not in my sweet spot. So you have to have the self-awareness that comes out of your history. 
So when I sit down with someone, the first thing I do is I just have a bunch of stories. I just dump it all out and I'll ask a lot of questions. And what I'm looking for, what all of us really need to have is the big overarching themes, the things that keep coming out that say, this is really what I'm great at. This is why I was real good at this. This was the value I added here. And when you can extract that out and put it into key words and put it into some key stories, you've got the ability to say to people, here's the value I bring. So for an example, I have her permission to do this. Uh, my wife, I branded her uh, because she is incredibly organized, unbelievably organized. Everything she does, everything she touches gets organized. At one point, I, I love words. And I, one of my favorite words for whatever reason is discombobulation because it's a very funny sounding word, which means chaos. For whatever reason, a few years ago, I thought, you know what, if there's a word discombobulation, there must be a word combobulation that we never use. So I looked it up and sure enough, Combobulation means exactly what you would think, putting in order something that's in chaos. And I said, you know what, Sandy, you are a combobulator. Anything you approach at your work, in the school she teaches at, anything at home, anything personal, professional, her incredible strength is whatever that chaos is, when she's done with it, it's going to be in order. And that really just awakened this understanding. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. So she would be fulfilled in any role that involves combobulation. She would be unfulfilled in a role where she couldn't bring order to chaos. And that's a vital thing to know. What is it that's in my DNA? And once we have that, we can look at the future, look at career roles with a more discerning eye and say right off the bat, nope, I don't want to go in that direction because I would never like to work in headquarters. I don't want to be part of the bureaucracy. I'm a lone wolf. I need to work out in sales or vice versa. I really need to be part of a team. I work best in a collaborative environment. I need to be part of a startup because I like small. I need to be part of a big machine. These are the things that liberate us to find the right opportunities. And so I see that getting clarity about our keywords and our strengths as the crucial way for human beings to reach their potential. Got to know what it is that you've got to offer. One of the things that you just did, I try to do with my clients. I try to take the concentricities between what you like to do and what you're good at doing. And you just did that so beautifully. And you painted that picture. If I were interviewing your wife for a role that came in and I said, describe yourself. And she said, I'm a combobulator. That would be a great hook for mm -hmm. me because it truly differentiates her from other right. candidates. How do you evoke confidence in the story that you're helping people build? Because it's one thing to get it on paper and it's jarring to read when you're like your wife, a combobulator. How do you get them into the narrative itself? The way to do that, we all have stories. We all have a lot of stories of things we've done and things we've done well, things we've not done well. The stories contain all the, all the key data points. You just have to pull them together and string them together in order. And once you do, once you talk to somebody, say, look at this that you've done, look at this that you've done, look at this. The, well, the theme of that is 
that as I did with one gentleman who I've worked with for many years, you're an architect, you're a builder, you build systems, you build infrastructure. And his ideal role was taking over a department and building it because he had that capacity over a long period of time to envision a larger structure and drive to it. And that has shaped his entire career. But it does create confidence because once you do actually know what you're great at, you can much more easily say in the mirror or to somebody that you're interviewing with, this is what I really excel at. And here's a story to show it. Here's something in my past. And the past will always be your reference to say, this is why I'm saying this value is because I did this here. I did this here. So it's a huge source of confidence for people when they can get a hold of their DNA and put it into words. I've seen people come with their tail between their legs because they've been out of work for six months, feeling absolutely useless, feeling hated. They had succeeded for years. Then they got laid off. They couldn't find work, no interviews, and really beaten down, highly successful. And then as soon as they got the right words in their mind about who they were, it was like, ah, Okay. I do have value. I have inherent value. I have stories to prove it. And that's the kind of job I'm going to go after, not just grasping at anything. And that's what a business does with branding. A business is not just to go out and grasp at any kind of work, any kind of revenue. It's the same thing. This is what I do. This is the work I'm going to pursue. This is where I'll excel. I'm going to go after that. That's absolutely what more people should be doing. Most confident people, they're pretty good at that. But a lot of people in an interview setting, they get nervous. They get verbose. Mm -hmm. How do they make what's on paper and what's built up in their confidence come alive without grandstanding? You've got 30 minutes to make that first impression. How do you zero in and prioritize all the great stuff that you bring to the table. I actually think you have more like 30 seconds to make. That's why you've got to have it really distilled and really tight. A lot of it actually comes down to just simple practice and validation with friends and family. You want to, I call it trying on a new pair of shoes. So once you get your clarity messaging in the words, what you want to do first thing is talk to people that know you and say, does this sound right? Does this word really describe me? Does this statement, this phrase, this story illustrate it? The more validation you get from a, in a safe environment with people that know you, the more confident you'll be in a new environment with people that don't know you, because not only do you think this is true of you, others have said, well, yeah, that's, yeah, obviously that's what you're good at. Or yeah, of course, that's why I hired you five years ago is because you do that so well. There's this little period of time that you have to go through of sharpening and validating the message that'll give you that confidence when you're in an interview room. How can you tell if the message is truly resonating with your audience? Are there cues or ways for people to check in during an interview to make sure they're not losing people? That's kind of standard stuff. So if I see somebody's eyes glaze over, if they start throwing out, just let's get this over with type of questions. Here's the deal. And this is part of the, the clarity formula that I've developed, it, which is based on brain science. Every human being's brain has this marvelous filtering system called the reticular activating system or RAS. And the job of the RAS is to take all the input from all five senses all the noise and enable us to focus on something and find what's relevant. The RAS's job is basically to take, and it's, it's an astounding amount of data, 11 million bits per second 
of information is coming into the human brain. And we've got to gain somebody's attention and interest. 60 bits of information. We've got to take the 60 bits people can focus on. So what that means is we've got to speak in the language of that person and tell them the what's in it for them about our value. So it's not just enough to say, I had this role, I worked for this company, then I did this for three years. We've got to get right to the relevant value. Here's what I did with this company to turn around their retention problem in 18 months by implementing these three specific strategies. Ah, now you're talking about results, you're talking specifics, you're talking what's in it for me. So we have to relearn how to tell our story to make it compelling for that other person so that we don't lose them. And that's why I told you we don't have 30 minutes, we have 30 seconds. The reticular activating system is actually deciding in the first 15 to 30 seconds whether you're worth my time or not. It's deciding when an email drops into my inbox, whether that's worth it. And so if the subject line is not distilled and relevant and interesting, I might just delete without even looking and it might be a million dollar email. So part of the clarity formula is learning how to front load all of our communications, presentations, interviews, emails, everything with the relevant message that'll hook people. A few episodes ago, I had a two-part series on personal branding. We talked about the difference between a brand that you're bringing into a new organization, sight unseen, maybe one or two people who've recommended you know of you or have worked with you historically. Can you use this formula effectively in an internal situation when you're trying to get promoted at a company and they already know you as one thing, but you want to be thought of for another opportunities? How can you use that formula effectively? So one of my convictions is that all, all efforts at automated hiring you know, like keyword searches, this is all garbage. The way people get jobs is by referrals. We know that. You're going to get your next promotion. You're going to get your next job. You're going to get your next client through referrals. And I wrote this book and released this four years, three and a half years ago, Clarity Wins. A lot of that book, it's, it talks about get heard, get referred. How can we equip our friends and our coworkers with these keywords and messages that I call memory darts so that they are equipped to talk about us accurately. We don't want to leave referrals to chance. We don't want people to just say, well, yeah, Andrea's nice. We want somebody to say, Andrea is the most efficient and warm-hearted combobulator I've ever seen, something like that. We have to bring these key words and these key phrases, very short, memorable, vivid words to others so that they can then pass them on. And that's the key to making progress. It's, it's interesting, Andrea, people have marketing strategies, sales strategies. Most people and companies do not have a referral strategy. And then you ask that company, how do you get most of your work? Referrals. Absolutely. You just capitalized on everything I said in episode three of this 52 weeks journey. And I hope that our listeners are understanding this is all going to build throughout the year. We're going to reiterate until it gets into your head that you need to have these strategies in place, both internally in an organization, but also you need to know how to work those systems when you're the employee trying to get through the system. Right. What you want to have is you want to give people a shorthand way of passing you along, a verbal business card. When somebody first wrote on my Facebook timeline some years ago, uh, happy birthday to the king of clarity. This was the nickname he gave me. And I looked at that and I thought, holy 
Kyle, that is great branding. It, it's kind of, it's, it's a little pretentious. I mean, you know, the king of something, but my New England sensibilities were a little bit against putting some grandiose title on myself, but because he'd given it to me, then it, it had been bestowed. So it was okay. And so I've used this king of clarity summary time over and over again. And it's been about the most effective thing I've done my entire career. Nobody forgets the king of clarity. They may forget all the bullet points or a bunch of details. They'll never be able to absorb a bunch of jargon. But if I can summarize it in a key thing like combobulator or king of clarity or something like that, you can be memorable. Our key as individuals is to get over what I call just another syndrome. So just another syndrome is we've all seen those nature programs where they have a whole bunch of penguins on an ice floe and they all look the same. They all sound the same. It's like every one of them is the same. And there was this wonderful Gary Larson cartoon. He's one of my favorite cartoonists. People of a certain age will remember Gary Larson. He did this black and white cartoon of the whole bunch of penguins and one of them way in the back saying, I gotta be me. I gotta be me. And it was hysterical. But what he was getting at was what I call just another syndrome. We are just another potential hire just another vendor, just another company until we're not. What that means is we've somehow not got to sound like all the other penguins. We've got to have distinguishing, vivid, differentiating, sometimes funny, unexpected words, specific stories that will stick with people. Otherwise, we're just going to blend into the background and be just another penguin. I so appreciate that point because in a future episode, we're going to talk about this framework of culture in an organizational environment and how wed people are to talking about what the company stands for and who we are and all about us. When in reality, I firmly believe, as do many HR executives, and I believe I'm hearing it in the fabric of what you're saying as well, is that each individual adds to that culture. They don't detract from it. So it's it's a DNA of many Yes. that are bringing the value and each person plays a role in that culture. We're so attuned to, are they a fit for the culture? When we interview them, we're very cookie cutter in that approach, but we've got to be smart cookies. I say this all the time. It's more than just diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a very important facet at this time that we live in. But I think people are realizing in this great resignation, I got to be me. I've got to be me and I have to be allowed to be me in this environment. And if I can't be, then maybe it's time to exit stage left and find a place where I can be. Absolutely. The, the culture fit goes both ways, Andrea. So we often think, you know, a company evaluating someone say, do they fit into our culture? It's just as important for us to look at that company and say, do I fit into their culture? Would I be comfortable there? Do they have a high command and control environment? Are they a micromanagement company? Are they a loosey-goosey creative ferment company? One or the other of those may not be right or wrong. It just may not be right or wrong for you. As you know, I spent 30 years, not planned, it just happened. I spent 30 years living in New Jersey. I never felt at home in the culture in New Jersey. I had spent some, I'm a Connecticut boy, so I know New England, but I'd spent some years in Nashville and I'd become enculturated to the South. And the, I like the culture of the Mid-South. So after 30 years, we escaped, moved back down here to just South of Nashville. The difference in being in a culture you're comfortable with is 
massive. I was carrying around a weight for 30 years of not feeling like I fit in. Now I do. So we want the same with whatever job we're evaluating, whether company we're evaluating. It's not just as the title good as the salary good, but am I going to flourish there? Or is that company going to really get on my nerves? <laughs> yeah. The stage we're in, in our corporate environments is we like to do 360 feedback. We like to do these assessments, whether they're glint surveys or some other type of corporate assessment. And we love to put these highfalutin titles on the wall, not king of clarity. I think that's a, an awesome one, but I'm talking about the top 10 best place to work for working women. And then you talk to the women in the company and they're like, this is a terrible place to work. So who are they asking? Does it really draw people in? I don't know that it does. I, what do you do with that data? Is it just putting accolades on the wall or are you really just putting little fires out everywhere that when there's high turnover and somebody in an exit interview says, hey, Steve, I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel like I was part of the culture. Suddenly you put a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage, when in reality, that might just be one person who doesn't fit. We seem to make these sweeping decisions organizationally, when in reality, we should really use your mentality and your formula at an organizational level yeah. to really think about clarifying who we are and what we stand for. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I've been slow reading a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. He's the guy that wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and that kind of thing. And this book is about the cultural health of an organization, how that is the health of the organization is crucial. Somebody recommended it to me because he uses the word clarity all throughout it. And so he talks about, you know, create clarity, reinforce clarity, repeat clarity. The fact is that at the top level of an organization, you've got to have this commitment to saying, here's what we're all about, to make sure that, and, and as you had earlier mentioned, repeating it over and over in different ways so that we really are clear where we're going and what we're doing. And a lot of the problems with, with miscommunication, which I address in, in my clarity formula, is that we often do not get our meaning across to people. We don't get the point across. And we don't construct word packages in a way that people can easily pass them on, just like referrals. Anything needs to be very portable and easy to pass on to others, including vision and mission and purpose statements and, and all these things that make a company run smoothly. I know that you work with individuals. I know that you work with organizations. Tell us a little bit about how clients work with you and what your ideal client looks like. I have two areas. All of it's based on this idea of clarity. Uh, one of it is a consulting area where I work with individuals, companies, brands, even departments on let's figure out your identity. Let's figure out your DNA. Let's come up with your, your words. Let's branch. And by the way, many people have totally underestimated the importance of this for an organization, an organization's sub-organizations, the departments. So I've done this for multiple departments as well. You want people in a department to have a clear sense of purpose, clear words, and clear value proposition so that they know what their role is in the organization. That's crucial, and most companies just ignore that entirely, which is a shame. So that's the consulting part. What I do a lot of now is workshops. So I've created workshops on communication practices, communication skills, how to create memory darts, how to arrive at keywords, how to get to the point. That's, that's one of the most crucial things is just how do we get to the point? How do you then take these clarity principles and make 
better emails, better presentations. The workshops are taking all these practices that I've developed over many years, really decades, and turn them into this systematic approach that addresses how do you get to the point? How do you get the point across? And how do you get everybody on the same page? Because ultimately you want alignment and there are certain ways to communicate to make sure that you reach and maintain agreement and alignment and action on your team. What sustainability measures and accountability measures do you help to implement with the teams that you work with? The major thing that I'm offering is a vocabulary. So I have a number of terms, specific terms like memory dart. I have seven S word packages. Uh, so statements, snippets, stories, specifics, and I have seven S's. So I have all this vocabulary that any group can use to standardize how they talk and to make sure everybody's on the same page about being on the same page. The most valuable thing I provide in the workshop area is being able to say, here's how you can go forward in all forms of your communication collaboration and use these tools and you all can reinforce each other. Hey, you didn't put a good call to action in your email. You didn't give me a good subject line that got the what's in it for me. You didn't get through to my reticular activating system. Where's the relevance? The need for great communication is so vast and is so, so hourly and daily that if somebody takes this seriously, reinforcement will just have to happen over time. Repetition does build retention. Let us know where you can be best reached by prospective clients. Probably the best place where I do most of my communication is on LinkedIn. So if you just Google Steve Woodruff, I'm all over the joint, I'm afraid. I have done a lot of social media over the years, but a lot of my work is very professional, corporate oriented. So most of what I do now, most of my writings are on LinkedIn. There, I have a newsletter people can subscribe to. I put out a, a newsletter on Clarity twice a week. My book, Clarity Wins, can be found on Amazon. If you go to claritywins.org, short link, that'll go right to that book. And that's probably the, the best way to get a hold of me. I have a website called Impactivity, which was the original name that I launched my company under, and that's impactivity.com. That has a, also a good description of the services that I provide and the workshops I provide. And highly recommend each and every one of them. What's next for our King of Clarity, Steve Woodruff? What, what's next? That's a really interesting question because that has evolved. I did not know for sure I was going to come up with a formula. So most of my work has involved me as the black box doing consulting, doing my magic, my DNA level stuff that enables me to do what I do. Thought for the longest time, my work was always going to be just me. And I didn't realize until over the last few years that I was developing a core of intellectual property called the Clarity Formula, uh, some of which is contained in this book and some of which has been developed since I released the book, that my most of my business would turn into workshops instead of just consulting. What the future is, there's going to be another book that'll have the complete clarity formula. I'm continuing to roll out workshops for my clients, most of whom are pharma and corporate. And at some point, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this thing that I'm developing called the clarity formula, whether it will take on a life of its own, become a company of its own, licensed to others. I'm not sure. I know my personal goal is to impact as many hundreds of individuals as I can, find their potential, to find their message, and to find their niche in the world. That's my 
greatest passion. That's my greatest love. That's the thing that lights me up the most. I love my workshops. I love writing. I love all that other stuff. But working with individuals and see the lights come on in their minds and say, oh, I see who I am and I, I, I can envision the future. Nothing thrills me more than that. I'm in solidarity with you, my friend, on that, because that's a serious calling for me as well. In closing, I just want to thank Steve Woodruff, the King of Clarity, author of the Amazon bestseller, Clarity Wins. Highly recommend that book. He also put a plug in for Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage. And I just can't thank you enough for joining today. Pleasure to be here, Andrea. Always good to talk to you. You as well. And for everybody listening, that's it for this week. We'll reconnect with you next week. Same time, same place, more power.